0: All right, hello everybody, and welcome back to Get Fresh with Jules and Jess. Um, Jess, you there? Yeah, I was gonna say Money Maker Edition, honey. <laughs> Get that bread edition. That's right. So, <laughs> in um, in this um, group, we talk a lot about health and wellness in the program every single day. And our belief is that with sustainable habit change, you can. it leads to slow growth in all aspects of our lives, not just necessarily through um, losing weight. Um, for example, just this round, Jess, since starting this round, we've had eight plus girls get promoted or leave their toxic jobs for new ones, which I think just goes to show how our value in our um, or our self-worth um, increases really quickly. And we realize um, that we're capable of more. So the more
1: that, like, that you see yourself in and the more healthy habits. And like, when you're feeling good about yourself, you have that confidence where you're like, I'm ready to like make the best decision for myself. So I love that. I've been seeing the same thing in Slack.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So one thing we know for sure is that financial health is an aspect that I think a lot of us, um, can use some help. Health- in and um, really just learn a lot more about in general so today we brought on Jacqueline she is the author of money planning and positivity she is a CFP and a Forbes top she has a Forbes top 10 podcast called uncensored and she is here to chat about our finances so welcome Jacqueline and we'll go ahead and have you introduce yourself. Hey,
2: Jules. I'm so excited to be here today. And hey, Jess. So we've got Jules, Jess, and Jack today. Hey,
0: Jay to the third.
2: (laughs) The the, the triple threat. The triple threat. The triple threat threat here. (laughs) Well, I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for the warm introduction. Again, my name is Jacqueline Shattuck, and I am a certified financial planner. I'm actually based in Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm really excited to talk to you guys today about financial health, financial wellness. I'm hoping that I can connect some dots for you guys and, uh, you know, be a light for you.
0: Yes. We need finances for dummies, please. Not saying that anybody here is a dummy outside of Jess and I, um, but yeah, we need, we need that level of education. Here. <laughs>
1: You know, okay. like the first thing that comes to my mind whenever like anybody is talking about finances, like we're all adults here, but um, the scene in Bridesmaids where she's like, "Help me, I'm poor," I'm like, <laughs> "Hi, at me, I'm victimized by that clip."
2: Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. I love that movie. Well, let me <laughs> share with you a little bit of my backstory. Um, and when I explain to you my backstory, it makes understanding what me as a financial planner does perfect. So. As far as my backstory goes, I'll make it like short, sweet to the point. So I grew up in Northern California on a thousand acre ranch and that property had been passed down for generations. So me, my mom, my aunt, my cousins, we all lived on this property growing up. And unfortunately it was sold out from under us. And so when the property was sold, my mother received her inheritance. And so her inheritance was like 1.4 million. So she decided that she wanted to leave California and we ended up moving to Georgia well, at the same time, she had hired a financial planner because, um, you know, we came from a very poor, poor background. And so, you know, my mom was a single mom working, you know, two, three jobs to kind of make ends meet. And so, of what course, we
0: had all this amount of money for someone.
2: It, like that. it was literally life changing. So we went from, you know, like growing up, I was the kid that was teased because I had one pair of shoes for like literally every outfit. And then we got to this point where I got like my first matching designer like coach bag and shoes and it was like a big deal right and so then we turn around and because all of that happened within three four years it was like wow like what what a like financial whiplash which really takes your life up and down back and forth and so I had a problem with that. And I was like, mom, I don't understand like what happened. Like I just got like my first designer matching bag and now we're back to eating like rice and oatmeal for every meal. I said, I really don't understand. And she couldn't explain it to me. So part of the issue was 2008. Part of the issue was just a lack of financial literacy on my mother's part. But I placed a lot of blame on the financial advisor that she hired because the financial advisor that she hired only focused on one area of her finances. So I'm sure you guys can understand this. She went to this financial advisor, said, hey, I need help with this windfall of money, right? The financial advisor gave her advice structured around her investments, but a very, very small piece. So he said, hey, look, you want to save money for your kids to go to college. My mom had, what, three kids at that point, one on the way. Um, I'm now one of five. And so this financial advisor was like, all right, well, we can just put your money in 529s. And then within your 529s, we'll put mutual funds in there. For those who don't know, 529s are college saving funds. Um, they're mm-hmm. accounts where you put money in for your kids to go to college. And that's pretty much it. There's penalties if you want to take the money out, etc. cetera. So he put all grows. of her money. What's that?
0: But it grows.
2: It does grow. But if you don't use it for college, so say- something else happens in between time and you need the income to pay your mortgage if you take that out you're penalized so all he did was put her money into those kinds of accounts Mm -hmm. and then what happens when something goes wrong and she needs money she's penalized so on top of that the funds that were within the 529 accounts those were also penalized because of the types of funds that they were Mm -hmm. so my mom was just paying penalty on top of penalty in order to access her money because this financial advisor didn't sit down with her and say hey you need to look at cash flow planning like you need to look at budgeting you need to understand that your my mom was probably like 36 at the time uh yeah she was like 36 37 around the time when this was happening and so hey let's take a look you're 36 years old you have a baby on the way and you already have three children like your account could produce this much income I need you to understand that you are not going to be able to live without a job for the rest of your life. Like, this is not retirement money for you. That's not enough for you to retire at 36 with four kids. So her financial advisor wasn't able to do that, wasn't able to sit down with her and say, hey, these are the tough conversations that we need to have. You don't have health insurance. You don't have dental insurance for any of your kids or yourself, and you need that. So that is a long story which was supposed to be short but
1: that's it. why i became a certified <laughs> we financial <love> planner.
0: <laughs> welcome to our podcast that's pretty much yeah the description <laughs> a long story
2: long. <laughs> a long story long so yeah so that's why i became a financial planner because i wanted to be the go-to person for finances i wanted somebody to be able to come to me with a certain situation say hey you know I'm getting married I'm not sure you know how we're supposed to join our bank accounts together and I say hey you have this whole slew of other you know financial issues good financial problems that we need to talk about that we need to tackle so I always wanted to be that person you know you can come to talk to me about any kind of financial issue or thing that you're battling or you know celebration and you know we can talk
0: about all the good bad ugly everything with that. Perfect. Well, I mean, that's like the perfect why. You know what I mean? I didn't (laughs) want to see anybody have what happened to you guys happen to them. Um, So that's, I mean, amazing.
1: Yeah. I love that energy, too. Like, I feel the same way about something when I'm, like, I I see either, like, an area where somebody is, like, I don't even to you being taken advantage of, but it's, like, you know, if I just knew a little bit more about this, I'd be able to make better informed decisions, and that goes for really anything. So, yeah. I love that energy. She's, like, I see... I see a hole, I'm gonna fill it. And now I know somebody because I literally still like, Dad, will you help me with my taxes? Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Yes, seriously. And this is the perfect time to be doing this because it is about to be tax season, too. And I don't know, Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of people are about to get a pretty big chunk of change. And it's like, what do you do with that change? Maybe this is a few grand that. This is your one time year, you get a few grand. Well, what do you do with that? Do you invest it? Do you put it away? Do you pay your bills? Do you pay your debt? What do we do when we get this chunk of change? Hopefully we get a chunk of change. And some of us, unfortunately, aka I'm pretty sure me is gonna have to <laughs> money. But um, but yeah, I mean, I just think that there's so there's every, we all know somebody that has a story that has to do with finances about being a self-starter or the opposite having you get money and you don't have any anymore. Like you hear that all the time with athletes and things like that. I mean, just cause you have money, it can go away in a second. We've all seen it happen. So yeah, absolutely. I would love to just kind of just talk us through this. So, so one of the things I, I said to Jacqueline, when I called her and we connected about doing this podcast was, I don't want this to be Dave Ramsey style because yeah. That's just in my humble opinion. I mean, I know there are so many girls that do it, people that do it that love it, but I just think that it doesn't totally go in line with any of our beliefs in the program, which is just small habit changes and moderation. And I would love that same advice in our pockets, in our bank account, just small changes and moderation. You're not having to make these huge sacrifices. You're not having to, starve yourself. You're not having to starve yourself financially and just stay home all the time and make, you know, stuff from the dollar spot and, and target. Cause we got to save money for our retirement. I don't want that for these girls. So how do we find a balance?
2: Yeah. And I don't want that either. Dave Ramsey style is very aggressive and it's like, he's yelling at you in your face. Like, Hey, you need to change this. You need to do that. But in reality, like when we do those kinds of things, they most often don't stick or if they do stick it's like a trauma stick and nobody wants like a, a trauma bond with their finances, that's not fun. No. <laughs> so I think that it's, it is important for us to find balance. And so I'm glad that you asked me to do this because my tagline and well, it used to be a tagline but now it's the title of my New York Times bestseller money planning and positivity. So I've always been all about, of course, like finances being the heartbeat of your entire life, right? I know it's kind of hard for us to say that, but we know that our financial situation dictates our lifestyle, it dictates where we live, it dictates the things that we purchase, it dictates when we get to retire. So it's so important. But on top of that, so is positivity mm-hmm. and having mental, mental health, mental wellness, because for me, what I watched was, and I'm sure since you ladies talk about this all the time, What I watched with my mother was she went through a severe depression and -hmm. that was really, really hard to watch, you know, because when you go from having, you know, retirement money to having almost nothing, literally having like $2,000 in your bank account, you can imagine there's got to be some mental hurdles that go with that.
0: Totally. It's like self-worth is tied directly into your success for mm -hmm. like. 93% of people, it's that way. And it can be success in whatever it is we're talking about with your job, with your finances, with whatever, but your overall success as a human can tie directly back into that.
2: Absolutely. And so, you know, I watched her struggle with that, but I've also watched a lot of clients struggle with that as well. And then add in 2020, when I think pretty much like 99.9% of people were going through some sort of a mental health struggle. And so, you know, during a full lockdown, full quarantine, nothing is open, can't go anywhere. So everybody struggled with some of that. And so that really launched me into actually writing the book and like what the title was going to be, because I want people to understand coming from, you know, I'm a certified financial advisor with seven years of experience. I'm an accredited wealth management advisor, You know, I have tons of other credentials and I want people to understand that just having a lot of money is not going to make your life better overall. Right. Because there's a lot of people that come to me and they're like, well, you know, I want to fix this financially. I want, you know, to have these certain accomplishments financially. And I'm like, okay, but I can tell that you're not happy as a person. And I can tell that you're not taking care of the other areas of your life that need to be taken care of the health, the exercise, like we have to get up and get moving, Um, you know, whether that's, you know, a two mile run in a day, or if it's, you know, a 20 minute walk, like we have to do that for our mental health. And so I wanted people to understand coming from a financial advisor, you need, you know, multiple facets of your life to be full in order to feel that true feeling.
0: Yeah. So are you you saying that money doesn't buy happiness? Ooh, kind of. (laughs) Because I kind of like, if you were going to be sad, being sad and Bora Bora was like a lot better than being sad. (laughs) Just saying.
2: It is. And so it's, that is an interesting question that I get all the time. Like does money buy happiness? And it's not a fact of money, like buying true happiness. I think that you have to find true happiness on your own within yourself. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, I think you need to have appreciation for, the people in your life and the things in your life that you do have an appreciation for yourself and your own self-worth but I think once you have that like bottom baseline like having more money to buy more things in a sense can make you happier
0: right right
2: that makes sense so it's I don't think that it can buy you happiness but I think that it can buy you things that will yeah that will bring you temporary happiness like for example I am like uh, a real daredevil I like a good adrenaline rush mm-hmm. so I like to go skydiving well if I didn't have money to afford to go skydiving then that's like one piece of happiness that I would miss out on in my life but it's not that I'm an overall happier person um <laughs> pre-covid I used to go a lot more often I haven't I haven't been like what's often once but. a month because like that's a, that seems like a lot like maybe once a quarter
0: that's a lot that's still if you ever
2: lot. want if you ever want to go skydiving, go to Miami. That's my favorite place to skydive. You get an amazing view. If you're going to do it, go there.
0: Okay. And so having advice, see, these are the things we don't ask for that we get that that's value added right there, girl. (laughs) love it.
2: So yeah. So I think it's important to find your own happiness as a baseline. And then of course, you know, having a Chanel bag, like that's going to make you happier at a certain point. If you're already happy, you know if you're into bags cool you know if you're into whatever it is cars clothes that stuff's going to make you happier but it won't bring you true happiness
0: totally i was gonna ask jess but i think we lost her they're having a snowstorm um in colorado right now um so we lost her but i was just gonna ask her if she would talk about her relationship with her finances but since she is not here um i'm happy to talk about my own And you guys know that I'm very open um, with just, you know, money in general. And when I do house projects, I tell you guys how much it costs and just things like that, because I think that that transparency, like honestly is, is amazing. And I love when people are transparent, like there's groups local groups, um, in Atlanta for people that are in marketing and they like specified posts for you to share your salary, where you work, what your job role is, things like that. And like, those posts have been like incredibly important in my own, because I, it was in one of those posts that I realized how severely underpaid I was at my last job. And I was like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Like there's people straight out of college making $60,000. What am I doing here? So, um it really kind of was the fuel that lit my fire to change my circumstances and I was just really unhappy at the job in general. Um but then when I found out the financial aspect, I was like, "Oh, oh no, honey, I got to get out of here." So, <laughs> I did. But um yeah, when I'll be honest, my relationship with finances isn't great. Um Chris does all the money stuff around here. He pays every single bill that we have. I don't even know how to pay the bills. That is not my proudest thing to ever say. I don't know how much, I don't even know how much our electricity bill. I don't know how much anything is. I have a general idea of what our mortgage is. Um, we have our own personal bank accounts that we have our own separate stuff. And then we have a joint bank account that we, transfer money to twice a month and pay our bills and go out to dinner and stuff with that money. But we have our own stuff and it's probably better like that, even though, um, we did go to financial advising and they, they told us to completely combine, but I do a lot more spending than Chris does. So I just feel like for the sake of our marriage, we've never fought about money. Never, not once. And I'd like to keep it like that. And I think it's partly <laughs> due to the fact that we do our own things. So it's kind of like when I want to spend my money, it's my money. So um, you know, every couple is different. My sisters think it's ridiculous that we have our own bank accounts still. I'm not unwilling to change if that's something that's important. But um, and I'm kind of curious how you feel about that. And we're gonna kind of get into that a little bit later. But yeah, every time Chris wants to have a conversation about finances, I'm like, no, I'm busy. Nope, busy, can't <laughs> what are you doing? I'm like, um. I am watching tv and that's scheduled in my time today so sorry I can't (laughs) Um, I just really I get really anxious and I'm sure that's like common I feel like it's the same thing as like going to the dentist or things like that but it's just like I know that I'm wrong and I don't want to be told otherwise like I don't want to be told I need to floss you know what I mean
2: yeah so it's like what was
0: your relationship with money growing up not great um, my family did not have a lot of money. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say we were poor, but we were probably like teetering on poor. Um, like we never got our lights turned off or like things like that. But as far as like, and I always had the necessities, but like we strictly went out to eat one time a week and I didn't get to have any toy or clothes or whatever. Like that was strictly like Hanukkah was my time to get clothes like there was mm-hmm. never just like random things here and there if I went somewhere and wanted it. So I think as an adult, and then I, as an adult, I was so poor for so long. And now that I'm not, I want to spend all my money all the time, mm-hmm. but I can, mm-hmm. I can do that now. Um, and I think it's still like, I, I'm the queen of justifying um, I told all the girls, I'm the queen of an excuse. Like I can, I can smell out an excuse for a mile away because I'm the <laughs> queen of them. so, um, yeah, it's, I think definitely deep rooted. And I think the different people do different things as an adult when they struggle with money. But for me, it's like, I'm going to make up for lost time. Yeah. So
2: it's interesting. The reason why I asked about your like earlier relationship with money is because that's a typical sign of like financial trauma and financial lack when you were younger to not check your bank account now, Mm -hmm. because especially in your situation, like it's, it's textbook perfect because it's the fact of, yeah, we had enough like to make ends meet, but we never had like an abundance. Like I knew as a child, even if I wasn't seeing the bank account, like I knew we didn't have a lot. Mm -hmm. So I knew that my needs were going to be met, but nothing above that. And so Now, that's why, you know, it relates to you not wanting to check the account now because you're like, okay, I know that there's going to be enough for my needs to be met, but I don't know if there's going to be a whole lot of
0: extra. So I'm just not going to pay attention to it at all. That's, that's totally it. And I mean, Mm -hmm. this is so embarrassing. Like, I actually can't believe I'm about to say this out loud, but I was telling Jacqueline, I overdrafted my bank account last week. Like what? That because Mm -hmm. I don't check it because I don't want to know what's in there. I don't want to see it. I I just, I have such a bad relationship with it, honestly.
2: Yeah, and I mean, it's important to acknowledge that you weren't a poor young adult, you just were a young adult and everybody has to figure it out, like- yeah. That's like saying, oh, I was poor in my life. Like, no, you were a college student. (laughs) We were all poor at that time. Yeah. So let's acknowledge that. Like, you're doing well now. I'm happy that you guys are settled. And so now is the time for you to acknowledge and, you know, have that conversation with Chris. And I feel like one way for people to tackle that is to have money dates with their spouse. Like, you know, we have a money date. It's just once a month make it real easy it's yeah. only 15 minutes okay so you, know, you we sit about? we just sit still- down and we yeah we talk about last month's expenses any big goals that we're saving for next month's expenses you know making sure hey you know did you put that money in the Roth account yeah I made the transfer to the Roth accounts like everything's gone through as normal so it's mm-hmm. just having that conversation because As far as like spouses go and, you know, you being able to lean on Chris wholeheartedly, Mm -hmm. I never want to, you know, put this out there, but I have clients who are widowed Mm
1: -hmm. and their husband
2: did everything. And now they, you know, like you said, don't
0: know how to pay a bill. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And it's like, okay. Honestly, because I'm like, I have that kind of anxiety, like the kind where everything in the world is great. And you close your eyes and you're laying in a hammock and it's a beautiful day outside. And then you're like, I could be a widow. Like I like, I'm uh, sure understand that kind of anxiety, the kind that just creeps up out of nowhere, just when you're like comfortable and enjoying yourself. Yeah. So I yeah. definitely thought about it. I'm like, geez, like I need to know how to do these things for sure. And mm-hmm. I know I'm not the only one. Like I know there are people listening to this going, Oh shoot me too. You know?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you just always want to be in the know. And I feel like especially as women, it's important for us to know what's going on around us. Yeah. And I know you trust Chris wholeheartedly. I trust Chris too. I know, (laughs) I know him (laughs) and I I trust him to take good care of you as well, but we always just want to know what's going on.
0: So I do have a question for you. So this is something Mm -hmm. that I feel like I hear different. It's all about your like, um, philosophy I guess as a financial planner like, I, you know you read the internet you read different things you hear different things from people so is it better to build up a safety net pay off all your credit cards or tackle the student loans like which one would you say is the most important okay so most important what's that you cut out what order would you would you rate those things in order of importance you have them in order of
2: Of importance. So first is the emergency savings. So you want to make sure that you have some kind of a safety net. And I feel like I don't even need to go in depth on this because we've all seen 2020 Mm -hmm. and what not having a safety net looks like. Mm -hmm. So you need that safety net first. And then you want to make sure that you are tackling that credit card debt because Mm -hmm. historically credit card debt is at a higher interest rate than your student loan debt. And, you know, student loan debt, it's pretty easy to explain, you know, why you would pay off a credit card before a student loan right now, right. because federal student loans are deferred for another nine months or so.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I think it's important to, yes, have a savings account, you know, you can have um, either emergency savings. So what we put in that emergency savings is any money that, you know, you're going to need for any big expenses coming up. So let's say you pay your car insurance quarterly. Mm-hmm. So we're putting that quarterly car insurance in that account. And then we just have a little bit of extra money in there in case, you know, our tire goes flat or, you know, something like that, something unexpected, something that's truly an emergency. And then you also, a lot of times people will couple in their emergency account, their six months of expenses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, should you experience job loss um, or be out of work for a little bit, something like that, you have six months of expenses in that account.
0: Mm-hmm. So you
2: want to have that on deck in case anything happens and then you can tackle the credit card debt or the student loans.
0: Okay, perfect. What is the, um, I guess this is just a question because I'm not somebody that compares myself to other people. I'm really not, but it is sometimes nice to have a baseline and knowing what's considered excessive, what's considered normal when it comes to spending? Cause I really don't know where I fall. If I had to guess my spending would be considered excessive on all fronts, but it's really for things like groceries and things like that, like, how do I know if I'm buying spending a normal amount? Cause I would like to spend a normal amount. And if what I'm doing is excessive, I would want to pivot that. So I guess my question is what's the average amount that like an average, you know, let's say couple, let's not even bring kids into it spend Mm -hmm. things like a week or a month that's a good question and a lot of times people are like what's that I know it's hard to answer because everybody has like different for instance like what I pay for my mortgage someone might be paying that for a one-bedroom apartment in a city Mm -hmm. so it's hard to compare
2: Yeah. So like most people are like, hey, what's the rule of thumb for how much my house should cost me every month? And my response is that we all have different thumbprints. And so Mm -hmm. I can't say, you know, like you just said, it's supposed to be X amount for everybody. Mm -hmm. So the best thing to do there is to kind of take these generalities, right? So take, for instance, like, I want you to be saving 15 to 20% of your gross income. So a lot of people forget that they're saving into their 401k before they even get their paycheck. Mm -hmm. And so that's a big piece of it. So say you're saving 10% of your income into your 401k, like there, you've already tackled half of it. So Mm -hmm. now I just need you to figure out how to save another five to 10% once you get your check. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you think about it like that, it's not that difficult to tackle. So I'm saying, hey, 15 to 20% of your savings, because your savings is the most important part. And by savings, I mean, of course, like the money you put into your emergency savings, but really into investing. Mm-hmm. So I like to call it a, a flow through model. So think about it like this, your paycheck goes into your checking account, right? Mm-hmm this is just in the simplest form your paycheck goes into your checking account okay so next you need to make sure that you have your emergency savings account so let's call it ten thousand dollars so once you've saved from your checking account imagine it flowing into your savings account now your savings account is full at ten thousand dollars you don't need any more savings in there so now whatever would normally flow into your savings account now flows into your investment account And so you get to bypass the savings and you get to invest all of that money. So I'm saying that you save 15 to 20% of your gross income. Now, the real truth is that whatever you spend is spent. It's gone. So that other percentage, it's out of here. So you give another 20% to taxes, you know, that leaves you with 60% less left. And then you're spending that 60%. So however you dice up that 60%, as a financial advisor, I don't really care, <laughs> to be completely honest. I don't really care how you divvy up that 60%. I don't want you to sit here and have a headache over, oh, I spent too much on Amazon, or oh, my mortgage is too high, like, or my rent is too high. I want you to realize that at the end of the day, you're spending 60%
0: of your income. That's so the big thing. to focus spending on. 70% of your income right now, then that's when you need to take a look and you need to make adjustments. You're saying.
2: Yeah. Because say you're spending 70% of your income. Okay. I'm assuming you're giving another 20% to taxes. That means you're only saving 10%. Right. That's really, that's really low, honestly, especially when, you know, we're speaking to mostly millennials here. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially when we look at millennials, like we don't, we don't want to work the same way our parents worked for 60 years at the same company and Mm -hmm. hopes to get a pension one day. Mm -hmm. Like we want to have more flexibility. We want to have more freedom, autonomy over our life. And we need money to do that. And so if you're, you know, in your twenties or thirties, you know, working your big girl job and you're only saving like 10%, you're spending way too much on rent and you know, like you're buying too much on Amazon and you're trying to fill whatever void it is that you have with, you know, eating out all of the time, like, you know, that you're going to need to make some small changes, take some small steps towards having a more whole life so that you don't have to work until
0: you're 80 years old. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you so, calculating how much I need to save. <laughs> Not good. No, y'all.
2: that's good. So the easiest way to do this, and it's one thing that I sit down with my clients and do it's I say giving your last tax return. So mm-hmm. as of right now, we would look at 2019. Mm -hmm. So give me your 2019 tax return. So your 2019 tax return should show me the majority of things that I need to know. So it'll show me what money you had coming in. And then it'll show me what money you spent on taxes it'll show me vaguely what money you saved, right? So it'll show me like what you saved into your like 401k or into your IRAs, whatever Mm -hmm. goes there. And then you can kind of roughly tell me what other money you have in savings or what whatever you save. So basically, from that tax return, I can figure out, okay, this is how much you spent, what percentage that is. And oftentimes, people are like, wow, like, that's a really, really high percentage, like, truly to that number that you said, Jules, Mm -hmm. like, I am spending 70% of what I have coming in. I'm paying 20% in taxes. Like if you do this on your own, don't forget about your state taxes. A lot of times we just look at the federal return, but you've got federal and you've got state. So I'm spending 70%. I'm paying 20% in taxes. I'm only saving 10%. And like, as far as self-worth goes, like I'm saying, okay, so you feel like you're really only your future you is only worth 10% of your income right now. Mm -hmm. Like how much is your future you worth? Mm -hmm. Is your future you worth 20, 30%? Like, do we need to figure out how to make that work? Or, you know, what what do we need to do here? Uh,
0: Your future you. Mm -hmm. That's huge.
2: Yeah. Uh, And it's, and, and I'll say with that, I really highly recommend that you save money into your 401k. So Of course, every situation is different, especially if you're trying to save for your first house or some sort of a big purchase like that. But when you save into your 401k, you get a tax deduction. So Mm -hmm. it makes your tax bill lower. Mm -hmm. So when you're trying to finagle, okay, how much should I spend? How much should I save? You know, what do I pay in taxes? Like you can get your tax bill lower because oftentimes our tax bill is our most expensive bill actually, because mm-hmm. think about you're paying 20 to 30% to the government, like what else are you paying 20 to 30% to, you sure. know, hopefully your mortgage, yeah. um, because you're getting a lot of that back, either in tax deductions, or of course, in equity. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes, taxes are our biggest bill. And so we want to make sure that we're mitigating those the best that we can. And the easiest way to do that is to save into your 401k, or if you're self employed, open up an individual 401k, open up a SEP, open up a simple account you know make mm-hmm. sure that you know what you're doing here so that you can save on your taxes
0: yeah for sure um i guess how what would you say this is a, another loaded question i feel like but how do we determine our financial goals and put realistic timelines around that and the reason i ask is because i am someone who makes a vision board every year and every year on that vision board i put $15,000 in savings, $10,000 in savings. And I have these huge numbers, which I'm sorry, but $15,000 and 10000 to me is a lot of money. So um, I fail every year. If I'm just being frank, things happen, you get married, you do, you know, just all different types of things. And a lot of girls um, in the program are at that age right now where they are saving for weddings or they are in grad school or they are, you know, just have these kind of like, things happening in their life that aren't forever. Um mm-hmm. that do put a hindrance on your um ability to make money or keep money. Um so you know I this I'm hoping 2021 will be the first year that I actually follow through with the goal that I set myself. And um I actually read this thing on TikTok. I didn't read it. It was a video and it said um, $30 or $38 a day of mindless spending equals $10,000 a year. And I was like, oh my gosh, I totally do that. I totally mindlessly spend $38 a day. Maybe not every single day, but like a lot of days I do. Mm -hmm. Um, I was like, okay, I added the amount of money up and I think whatever, I think I, I set the transfer, Um, from my bank account to my savings account for $189 a week or something like that. Cause I was like, I will have $10,000 at the end of this year. Like I told Mm -hmm. myself I will, because I just, I don't have a savings account. I don't have anything and it's terrifying. And I don't really have a 401k, I have an IRA. It has very little in it that I need to contribute for last year still, but, but so I don't have these huge 401k accounts like Chris does or whatever, where he has this great, you know, company match, whatever I work for a small business. So I don't have that. So it's even more important for me to be doing these things and setting these automatic transfers up well you know, three weeks into my doing that, I overdraft my bank account. So <laughs> clearly you can't just do the 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 $38 of mindless spending and continue um, to spend that. You know what I mean? Like I, I kind mm-hmm. of back a little bit and I forgot that part of it. I thought I could just keep doing what I was doing and transfer $189 a week. Yeah, you can't do that. Um <laughs> Hopefully one day I'll be rich enough to do that, but no, not today. So, um, yeah, I guess, um, How do we, how do we determine those goals? That's a really good question.
2: And I actually have a guide for you ladies. So it's called creating your ideal five-year net worth. So what the guide does is it walks you through creating your net worth as it stands right now. So if you have a spouse or a partner, I recommend that you guys sit down and do this together. So The first part is just creating your net worth for where you are now. And the next part is creating your net worth for where you wanna be in five years. Mm -hmm. So you'll do the same thing again, but you'll be looking at what you want it to look like at that point. So Mm -hmm. what we're gonna do is we're gonna take the Jeff Bezos method, which is to look five, well, he looks seven years into the future, but we're gonna look five. So you look five years into the future and we determine what we want our situation to look like. And then we work backwards to figure out how we can get it there. So if your 401k or IRA has $40,000 in it right now, and you want it to have $80,000 in it in five years, then we just do the math to work backwards to say, hey, this is how much money we need to put into the account. And in your case, like you're not even counting for the growth, the investments in the account, you're just counting for the, the basic math. So it's just the basic math of like, how do we get from A to Z? Mm -hmm. So that's a really easy way to set goals is using that guide that will be available to you. And in addition to that, as far as setting goals go, it's about your lifestyle and what you want things to look like. So it's about envisioning what you want your future to be like. Do you want, you know, to have a bigger house one day or a house at all? Like, do you want, you know, grad school to be paid off? You know, what do you want it to look like? And then we go back and we fill in the gaps of like how to make that happen. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of visualizing your higher self and it's a lot of, you know, you've got to look at yourself and this is going to give you, I think more of a purpose and it's going to help you with your self-worth because you're going to say like, okay, these are the things that I want for myself. And like, how do I get there? Yeah, And I think that you're going to be able to, to make those a
0: highlight and, and make them actually come to life. Definitely. I think that's perfect advice. Um, okay. I do have a question. It kind of leads into this, but I guess, how do your services work? I've, I've always been curious as an onlooker to your success. Um, in my world, the only people with financial advisors are rich people. Um, maybe you can myth bust that for me, but I guess what's the difference between a, um, a CFP Um, and people who, and I don't know if anybody else here has ever gotten roped into one of these, but I, I have more than once gotten roped into someone who's like, Oh, I'm a financial advisor and come to my office and we'll have a meeting. And then you go there and you break down, you spend all this time talking about your finances, you bring your bank accounts and whatever. And at the end they, they give you like kind of a budget or they give you some budget advice, but then they try to sell you life insurance. (laughs) Oh, okay. So
2: that like the. Isn't that like the biggest hugs ever? It's, it it's has gotta to be so. It's actually insane. Yeah, it is insane. And it's those like one of, advisors, by, by way. the way, <laughs> <That was laughs> she said those thing. aren't financial advisors, by the way, you're cutting out. No, they're not financial advisors. And that was part of why, like I held the CFP in such high regard because when we were in college, I did an internship for a large insurance company. And so that's how they position things. And it was funny because I was going through like their training. It's like a 40 hour a week training. And Mm -hmm. there's this woman who, when she realized what we were doing, she just walked out. She was an older woman, like maybe in her forties. She Mm -hmm. said, wait, wait, wait. So you want me to sit here and like basically sell them this dream? And like, this is what I'm doing. I'm just selling them life insurance. She's like, no, no, no. Like, I can't do this. And she walked out and left
1: Mm -hmm. and me
2: being like, I needed to finish this internship for college credit. So I was like, well, I'm stuck here for the summer. So it was really eye opening to me about like how the industry works as far as like, I wouldn't say financial planning, but just financial services. Because Mm -hmm. I feel like financial planning is a smaller niche, but financial services, it's unfortunate that our industry is so convoluted in that pretty much anybody can call themselves a financial advisor or a financial planner. Mm -hmm. And that's what you get is a lot of people who just sell insurance or they work at like a big brokerage company. So they just throw you in whatever investments they can get the most money for. Like, for example, the guy who, you know, sold my mom those financial products, like he made a killing on that. He made really good commission on that. So it's important to know the credentials of your financial planner, the services that they offer and how they get paid. So for me, I am a certified financial planner, meaning that I went through 14 months of financial planning training, meaning we understand the areas of estate planning, retirement planning, risk management or insurance planning. We go through all of those kinds of areas, including of course, investment management with that being at the focus. So we learn all of those areas of personal finance, right? So that's what helps me provide this cohesive plan for you. Mm -hmm. So not only am I a certified financial planner but the services that I offer are services that are fee transparent. So there's never a time where my client has to ask me, oh, what do I pay you? Because it's not clear. Now, maybe they can't find their report in their portal, but the fee is clearly stated on there. Like, hey, your fee was X amount. You know, it's based off of how much money I manage for them, how much planning I do for them. Mm-hmm. So that that part is important as well. Um, and so when you're looking for a financial planner, it's important to ask them, you know, what's their experience, what's their credentials, and how do they get paid? Mm-hmm. And so for me, my clients only pay me by fee. So there's two ways that the services work. One, clients pay me for financial planning services. So that's where we sit down. We talk through all of those areas that I mentioned earlier and we figure out what it is that you need to tackle. So for like you and Chris, it would, our first main thing that we would tackle would be cash flow management mm-hmm. and the budgeting portion, like making sure that you're both comfortable with this. We break it down to the point of looking as closely at like what you're spending on, you know, Amazon or wherever it is that you're spending your money on, like home goods, say, mm-hmm. Hey, okay, I think you're spending a little bit too much in this area. Mm-hmm. And it's only because I can look at your overall plan and say, Hey, you're giving, you're, you're spending 40% of your income on your house. Like, that's really, really high. I don't so, know why anybody
0: wants me Starbucks. 40% <laughs> of your income goes to Starbucks. I'm like, I know.
2: a lot of mine does too unfortunately (laughs) um so yeah so we would look at all of those areas and take a deep dive into it so that's the financial planning service and so clients are paying me anywhere from let's see right now eight thousand dollars a year to like twenty thousand dollars a year for those services so the low end is typically like individuals are paying around eight thousand dollars a year and then have my entrepreneurs who may have one or multiple businesses that are paying me like $15,000 a year because I provide a full concierge service. So we're not just talking about your personal finances, but we're talking about your personal intertwined with your one or many businesses. And then I'm helping coordinate with your CPA, with your estate attorney, you know, to make this whole team for you to make running your business easier. So that's the pace scale that I'm on right now. And then on top of that, there's a fee for what we call AUM or assets under management. So Mm -hmm. for my clients who have $250,000 or more, they pay me 1%. For my clients who don't yet have $250,000, I charge them $10 a month. So that's the fee just for the investment management portion. So Um, what me and my business partner wanted to do was to be able to have um, almost like a robo-advisor or like an Acorns Mm -hmm. kind of system within our firm. So Mm -hmm. that's how we're able to offer just the investment management piece by itself for $10 a month. So for you ladies who are like, okay, I need to get started. I'm not sure where to get started. Like, I don't think I could afford 8,000 or I don't think I could afford a financial advisor at all. Like we have our robo-services to get you started. Very so good. that's kind of how our services work. That's, you know, what I've been
0: up to for the last few years. <laughs> yes, a little update. And by the way, we should have said this in the beginning, but um, I know Jacqueline from college. She lived at um, the apartment complex that I lived at and then I worked at. And then she approached me one day and she was like, hey, do you want to do this like internship thing for the Georgia lottery? Oh, yeah. Remember this? And I was yes. like, what is it? And she's like, "Oh, you make like I feel like it was kind of a lot. I feel like it was like sixteen or twenty dollars an hour or something." Like yeah, that. and like we just have to go to these like events at like the football games and basketball games. We have to get people to apply for the scholarship, the dollars for degrees scholarship. Mm-hmm. So her and I, we were like the two representatives from Kennesaw and then we had a um, contest with all the other schools and like, I'm talking big schools. Like we were going up against like UGA, Tech, like Emory, like big schools. And it was just little old us. And it was basically, there was a contest at the end that was like, whoever gets the most um, converted, like attendees of the game to actually apply for the scholarships. And we ended up winning. We won iPod, uh, iPad minis. I, I actually- Yeah, we did. The yeah, they were like- brand I'm not gonna
2: new. lie. They were brand new at the time. And I'm not gonna lie, like me being the financial person that I was, like I just sold mine.
0: I thought about <laughs> selling mine too, but I was like, mm, I could use a new one. Anyway, I ended up trading it in um, for my, I got an iPad pro um, a couple years ago and I traded it and it held its value and stuff. So that was good, but that's actually how we know each other. And we worked together in that little capacity back in the day that feels like so like long ago. And I remember we were putting those flyers out. Do you remember that? Oh my God. Oh my goodness! We got in trouble trouble for like putting flyers in places, (laughs) but we were just trying to, we were trying to get that bread, honey. So, um, yeah, and we did, that was a good little side job. it It was definitely a good little side gig. So we did that, but, um, Anyway, I just want to thank you for coming on today and you guys will definitely be seeing more of Jacqueline around and hopefully you don't, you know, roll your eyes every time we talk finances, but, um, <laughs> for the challenge today, you will receive ho- her, um, was it, uh, it's a guide, mm-hmm. the guide, um, for you to determine your, um, goals and your timeline, um, for us all to be rich bitches, you know, so um, <laughs> we're gonna yes. our money right this year y'all this is the year we actually put it on our vision board and we're doing it so <laughs> um get ready I hope
2: that yeah I hope that this wasn't totally boring to you guys but next time we're definitely talking spouses or like new relationships and money yes. so Jules you're married I don't know about Jess's situation but I'm single currently dating a special someone so special it'll someone. be fun to talk about <laughs> Day. Right, exactly. So it'll be fun to talk about
0: money in a relationship. Definitely. And I think, you know, we've got a lot of um, people dating and a lot of people getting married soon. So I think those are all really good conversations to have. And I mean, definitely still conversations Chris and I need to have as a newly married (laughs) couple with our own bank account. Still so she's probably like shuddering over there on the other side of this call. Like, oh my gosh, I need I just <laughs> want to fix everything that they're doing. Trust me, we need it. So um, everybody have a great Friday and we will talk to you next time.